Hey guys, it's your host, Jumi Moses, and welcome to Award to the Wise, a weekly podcast where I drop some knowledge and tips on how to combat obstacles in your life and become the best version of yourself. I also discuss ways to develop compassion, empathy, and growth in the direction of love and acceptance for all. I promise you, it's positive vibes only. everyone it's your girl jumi moses and welcome back to another episode of the award to the wise podcast thank you for tuning in as always you were just listening to the song of the week which is by for king and country and it's featuring kirk franklin and tori kelly and the song is called together those details will be in the show notes if you want to check them out after listening to today's episode. So one of the things I've been curious about lately and hope to have several conversations on in the show is the whole concept of alternative healing through the use of spiritual modalities. Modalities that help you heal your energy and the trauma that you carry in your body, which directly affect your physical and mental health. And I'm sure some of us, have heard of such healing practices before where someone will say they were able to heal their cancer without the use of medicine. And at the very least, we all know that trauma or constant stress can wreak havoc on our system, causing things like high blood pressure, weight loss or gain, hair loss, and you know, depression. The list goes on and on. Well, in today's episode, I have on the show with me today, Belinda Farrell, and she was able to heal her back through a spiritual practice called Huna, H-U-N-A. Huna means secret in Hawaiian. Huna is from Hawaii. The practice comes from Hawaii. And at its purest form, it's the use of ancient knowledge, enabling a person to connect to his or her highest wisdom within understanding and utilizing the fundamentals or seven principles of Huna is intended to bring about healing and harmony through the power of the mind. So Belinda recently wrote a book called Find Your Friggin' Joy, which she talks about her healing journey and how she was able to incorporate the Huna spiritual modality into her life to really heal her back. But a little bit more about Belinda aside from her being the author of Find Your Freaking Joy. She graduated with a BA in Spanish and English from the University of California at Berkeley and is trained in hypnotherapy, past life regression, 
Hawaiian chanting and ancient Hawaiian healing. Belinda trained with Tony Robbins, who is the author of Unlimited Power and has effectively used these skills in her own life. She has completed 18 firewalks and some of you might be scratching your head like, what is a firewalk? I wasn't sure what a firewalk was either. I asked Belinda to explain in the episode. When Belinda was 48, she collapsed with herniated discs and spinal nerve damage, threatened with paralysis by her medical doctors if she didn't have surgery. Belinda instead chose to apply the ancient Hawaiian healing practice she had been learning the previous three years, which she covers in her book. Her back completely healed, including childhood scoliosis. And for the past 15 years now, she has been sharing these healing practices with others, offering reconnective healing, which I asked her about as well in our conversation. She also offers HUNA classes and she takes clients to Hawaii sometimes to teach them HUNA and to swim with wild spinner dolphins. So in our discussion today, I really wanted to dig deeper into Belinda's story and find out what put her on her spiritual and healing journey. What were some of the challenges she had to overcome and how exactly did Huna heal her back? I was very interested in that. Belinda has lived a very interesting life with many colorful chapters, with great moments and not so great moments. But one thing she knows for sure is that we can't heal ourselves unless we want to. We have to give ourselves permission to heal. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to today's conversation. Belinda is a wonderful storyteller. You're going to learn so much from today's episode. At the very least, it's probably going to get you to start thinking of alternative ways to heal and how trauma affects our body. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Belinda. Hi, Belinda. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. And I'm loving meeting you. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And I'm excited to officially meet you. I just want to hear more about your story and what got you interested in your line of work. That's a good question. Everything kind of leads up to one path that you take. I remember that when I, I mean, I started out, I don't know, being born, but my mother and my father took me to three abortion clinics to try to get me aborted. And I didn't find that out until I started doing work on myself and healing my back. And a memory popped up of a little fetus being tossed out into the abyss, you know, with all the craters and asteroids. And I thought, what is this? I was just confused. And I asked my mother, she would never talk to me about how I was born, but she finally admitted that I was the result of um, a one-night stand that she had. She'd fallen in love with this Irishman and got pregnant, and as a good Catholic girl, that's not acceptable. So they tried to do away with me, but I guess I was a little bit stronger. I needed to be out here. (laughs) So it all started with that and just trying to earn love, trying to not feel I didn't feel worthy to be loved, so I was always putting on productions or doing shows and singing in the 
school buses to get money and just trying to make myself um, known so that someone could claim me because I'd never met my father. But I was a happy child and the nuns where I went to school complained to my mother and said she was too joyful and <laughs> she hadn't suffered enough. But that suffering was their choice, not mine. And I had a great I had a great childhood, went to Berkeley, and when I graduated from Berkeley, I became Snow White at Disneyland. And at nice. that same time, <laughs> the same time the CIA was doing a security clearance on me so that I could go back and become a covert agent in Spain because I knew how to speak Spanish. Oh wow. So that was more of a cutting edge turning point because I decided not to go with the CIA, which was probably a good I- good idea. I probably wouldn't be alive today mm. and stayed in Washington, D.C. to work for a senator. That's where I met my husband who was in medical school. And that was the year that Bobby Kennedy was shot and Martin Luther King was shot, 1968. It was a pivotal year. And I left Washington and went back to Los Angeles, got married, went to graduate school, became a teacher. We went to Puerto Rico because he was, he didn't get the Berry plan, my husband. And I taught school there. And that was probably the only normal job I've ever had was teaching school, but I loved it, loved third grade. Then we came back to Los Angeles and, um, he finished his residency, but something was missing in our marriage. And I felt, even though I wasn't into the healing world at that time, I knew my spirit wasn't being honored. And then eventually, at 40 years of age, I left my husband and started on my own. And I had so many fears. And I decided that I wanted to conquer these fears and find out who I really was. So I answered an ad in the paper for Tony Robbins and firewalking. thought, whoa, if I can walk on fire, I bet I could do a lot of other things. So I went on that firewalk, and it just transformed me. I mean, how can you walk on 2,000 degrees of hot coal and not get burned, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, can you just describe for the listeners what exactly firewalking is? I've heard of it myself, but I'm not really sure what the essence or purpose is for firewalking and how it actually works. Well, I really wasn't sure myself either, other than it's supposed to get rid of your fears, because I think that mm. would be the greatest fear you have, charred, burned flesh walking across hot coals. If you can say that you can do that successfully, then what other obstacles can you overcome in your life? Yeah. Tony prepares us completely, and we would write down all of our fears and go out and throw them in the fire, and then we would just breathe just really incessantly so that our breath matched the warmth of that that fire. We became one with the fire. And when you become one with the element, you don't burn. I learned that when I was studying Huna in Hawaii. All we are is earth, air, fire, and water, a combination of all of that. 
So I did 18 firewalks all together. I oh burned God. once on the eighth firewalk because my son was walking mm-hmm. and I was more concentrated on him and I wasn't in the state that you have to be in to be safe. Okay. So I learned big time that you really have to be in state. And he was fine. I was the one that um, could hear my flesh going. Oh, no. (laughs) Were you able to hop off right away? Um, No, I walked all the way to the end. Oh, no. um, We did some acupuncture points so that I wouldn't go to the hospital. And it was was fine. The the next year I went to, um, to Maui. And did a 50-foot fire walk. But I knew what I had to do to be safe. Mm-hmm. And it was perfect. Nice. And then after after 18 of them, I said no more. And it was 18 years that I was married to my, my husband. Mm. It was very symbolic. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine it was. So just to, you know, kind of regurgitate some of the parts of your story. So you essentially were in this marriage um, and after 18 years you realize that something in your soul was missing and there are all these fears that you needed to confront so after doing the fire walks when did you start I'm sure that was the beginning of your healing journey and exploring different modalities for healing how did you get into HUNA because that's something that you really talk about in your book and before you talk about HUNA Can you explain to the listeners what exactly HUNA is and how you got into it? Well, first of all, when you do the fire walk, you say to yourself, you know, if I can do this, what else can I do that I have never done? And what came up for me is that I wanted to drive a race car. I don't know where that came from because I couldn't even drive a stick shift. (laughs) But Tony teaches you, if you say you can't, you must. And if you must, you will. So you don't back down. And I said to myself, okay, i got to find out where can I drive a race car. So I called the school here in Sonoma, which was um, the Sonoma racetrack, and I signed up for the Grand Prix road racing course. Scared to death. But I went there for four days, and I found out that I had some talent. And they hired me to drive for Buick and Cadillac. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. And so my stunt driving career began. I was 41 years old, but I loved driving cars and placing them where they needed to be placed. And they created a stunt driving course for me. And I joined up with a teacher from the school and we started doing jobs and gigs all over the country. I did that for eight years. It was wonderful. And then during that time, I was also studying hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And that's what led me to the big island where I was going to take a master course in hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And I was afraid of water. (laughs) But there I go to this island. I could drive a race car, but I was afraid of getting into a pool of water. So I knew I was still on the, on the verge of conquering fears. And in Hawaii is where I was introduced to the huna, which means secret. It's a secret. These were the healing secrets of the Hawaiians. 
they had when they had no mental illness on the island. And I learned that it was about self-forgiveness and about cleaning up the energy that you have with the past. Just imagine that you have something that's really toxic, poisonous, and that you're investing in it and thinking about it all the time. What this process does, it's called Ho'oponopono, to make right right. What it does is it, it neutralizes the energy that you have that connects you with that event. It can't change the event because the event already happened, but you change your judgments and your interpretation of it. It's like divinity comes in and neutralizes the energy that connects you with that event and you change. It, it grows into a much higher form. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, as I continue to listen to you, at the very beginning of your story, you talk about the fact that your parents had tried to abort you about three times. So was there, you know, I'm sure like there were some energetic and <laughs> emotional remnants of that. And that's probably something that was still speaking to your soul, maybe, you know, leading you to maybe one of the reasons you decided to leave your marriage and really go out into the world and heal. So um, did you did you realize that that was something um, that you were trying to heal when you found yourself, you know, exploring the firewalk and then like hypnosis and then HUNA? Was that part of, um, was that journey part of like you healing and finding self-acceptance, especially coming into this world in a way that, was kind of rejecting you, if that makes any sense. I hope you understand what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say. I definitely felt rejected, but I didn't feel not loved by my family, by my grandparents who raised me. It was, um, it was interesting how you, you do things for the purpose of getting attention or getting love. I guess unconsciously that's what I was doing, that I wanted to become an actress. I wanted to be on the stage. I wanted to see people change their emotions and make them laugh and make them cry. And I was trying also to find out about my father, whom I had never met. I was, you know, going to hire a detective to go and find him when I was in high school and college. So I didn't know anything about the abortion part. That didn't come clear until I had done a lot of healing with my mother, cutting cords, which is what is done in Ho'oponopono. And I cut cords so much with her that she finally gave in and talked to me about the abortion. And I had collapsed with herniated discs and nerve damage. This was towards the end of my career with the cars. I couldn't walk on the ramp. I was doing modeling work, acting. I couldn't stand, sit. You know, I was more or less bedridden. And while I was doing the breathing that is mentioned in the book, it's the ha breathing where you take a deep breath through the nose and fill a glass of water at the top of your head and then exhale out through your mouth. You do that concentrating for about 10 minutes or longer, then the unconscious mind will bring up 
something that you haven't resolved yet. It loves you. Your unconscious loves you. It runs your body with everything that it has to work with, with all the bad memories, with everything. But it would, it would rather work without those bad memories clogging it up. So the unconscious just, you know, will do it, everything that the conscious mind tells it to do. And so it brought up that memory of the little baby being tossed out into the abyss. And it was so real. I could see these comets and asteroids. And I thought, somehow, I'm not going to be safe anymore. But these amazing holy hands, I'll never forget, beautiful hands, came down and picked up the baby and carefully placed the baby in the arms of this divine being, which was way above all the chaos and all the comets and asteroids. And I just relaxed and I felt so safe and so accepted and so loved. And then I woke up and I was in a pool of sweat and it was so vivid. I just had to call my mother right away and find out what had happened. And then that's, that's when she told me about the abortion. Wow, that's really very powerful. And just to make sure I fully understand, when you say that you had been cutting cords throughout your healing journey with your mom, are you talking about negative emotions and negative situations that you've had with her in the past? Yes. You, when, when you do the cord cutting, which is on my CD, Chant and Forgiveness, the whole cord cutting process, it's any emotion that comes up. If you're sad, if you're angry, you don't even have to know why you're feeling so rotten, but then you say to yourself, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you, those four phrases. And that gives divinity permission to go in and erase the cords that are connecting you with that event. So if I'm thinking poorly about my mother, which I did often because she was so strict and so harsh on me, that I would just neutralize that effect by just saying, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. And then what it does is it elevates the event or whatever it is to a higher level and you're able to talk to that person. They might even just apologize for what they've done. It changes everything. And it's not just with people you do it, you do it with things, your connection to money, your connection to a virus, your connection to government, doctors, lawyers. It helps with everything. Yeah. And it gets you back to the present time so that you can be in the present time and create good things in the present time. You can't do it if you're burdened with everything from the past. It just loads you down. Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, with the help of Huna, um, you were able to heal your back, your herniated disc. Can you talk about that more in depth and how you were able to heal with that practice, with the Huna practice? Well, I did a lot of cord cutting, did a lot of things. There's a pipeline that goes to your higher self. Everybody has a higher self, but it doesn't have a body, so it has to be invited in. It's just like I believe that angels protect us too. 
really strong guardian angels. And they have to be asked to come in. They don't just come with, you know, without a permission because you have free will. So you have free will to either want their help or not. So I had to clear this pipeline to the higher self so that it could come down and fulfill my desires. Once my desire went up there, and that desire was me climbing trees. You have to have a strong back to climb trees. So I wasn't just saying, oh, give me a strong back. It doesn't work that way. The unconscious is the emotional part of you. It's the feeling part. So it needs to feel what it is that you want and feel it in a way of you doing something that shows you that you got it. So if I could climb a tree, I got a strong back. So the unconscious got excited, sent that desire up the pipeline, and the higher self brought it down into my physical body, and I was healed. Even the scoliosis that I was born with was gone. Hmm. So how did you explain that to people who believe Mm -hmm. that you have to go through doctors and medicine to heal? How do you tell people that I actually use a spiritual practice that really healed my back. I mean, I'm assuming, did you did you go to the doctors? Did they try to operate on you? I remember the doctors told me I wasn't going to walk again unless I had surgery. But as soon as this occurred, I couldn't work anymore. And so my insurance company dropped me. I couldn't do any more stunt driving jobs. I couldn't walk on the ramp. I was finished. I had no insurance. So out of desperation, I said, I better see if this Huna stuff works. I'd been studying it for three years. I'd been helping other people with it. Now I had to see if it worked on me. Physician heal thyself, right? So it was out of desperation that I went to that. Had I had insurance and all that other stuff, I don't know. I probably still would have opted for something more gentle because my son was told that he had a back problem, too, from a ski accident. And his father told him that he was going to have to have surgery, and he believed him. And he had two failed back surgeries, which gave him just a horrible introduction into pain medication. And that's how he took his life. He went, he did an overdose of pain medication because he was in such debilitating pain. He saw me heal, but he wasn't willing to go inside and do the work that it takes to to do the healing. You have to be willing to do that. That's why I say this. My book is not for sissies. You've got to be able to want to take an active role in your own healing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not against doctors. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I think doctors are brilliant. They're wonderful surgeons. They help in emergencies. But if there's a way that you can do some self-healing, I opt for that over any other kind of invasive surgery. Yeah. First, I just want to, you know, send my condolences. I'm not sure when your son passed and, and took his life. I know that must have been very, very hard for you to lose a child to suicide and I also just want to ask you so you've been doing this healing healed your back you've been on the spiritual journey back to yourself and Mm -hmm. then you lose your son 
How did that affect all the work that you have been doing? How were you able to get through such a horrible, horrific tragedy? He had just graduated from from college. He was he had just turned thirty. So I had thirty wonderful years with him. And it was just such a shock. Grief is something you just don't know how you're gonna go through it. You st- you you just don't know. And um but I knew that and at the same time, <laughs> like fate would have it. I lost all my money in a Ponzi scheme, everything from my savings. And that was, I had no place to live then. I couldn't afford to live in the house that I was living. So I lost my son and I had to think about selling everything and surviving. So it took my mind off the grief for a while because I was just surviving. My daughter took me in. And I lived with her and helped um, with my grandson, whom she had just birthed. And that little boy saved my life because you know how children are. They're just full of joy. So I had to be playing with him every day. And it was part of, I guess, my, my safety net. I did the cord cutting, but I couldn't get rid of the grief. I tried to do the cord cutting every single day. A friend of mine dragged me to see a movie called The Living Matrix, which featured um, Dr. Eric Pearl and The Reconnection, and also um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, an amazing, he's a teacher of doctors. He's a doctor himself. He wrote so many books, but he's just a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Anyway, I went to see this movie and I thought, oh, another blah, blah, healing thing. But I watched Dr. Pearl do this reconnective healing on this young boy in a wheelchair that everybody had given up on. And then he was just going to pass away. And he had, I think, cerebral palsy. And Dr. Dr. Pearl just pulled these frequencies and started playing with them, stretching them. And that little boy got out of the wheelchair and went into the yard to play and and held a cup for the first time. It was, it just made me shiver, I guess. I thought, I want to learn how to do that. So I came home and I looked up a practitioner in my area She did a session on me. She didn't know anything about me or my past. She didn't want to know a thing. She didn't know I had lost a child. And after the session, it was about a half an hour, my grief was gone. My joy had come back. I felt lighter. I was in ecstasy. And I had another session. I did my reconnection, which is a different... um, process that they do. It's a two-day process. It's much more exact in drawing the the lines on your body uh, with your acupuncture lines. And after I had that done, I decided I was going to go learn how to do this. So I went and got trained 
I became a reconnection specialist. <laughs> and I did that for 10 years. And during that time, because I had had my reconnection done, I heard something in my voice coming through that said, you're going to write a book now. And before I was like, no, I'm not. I don't want to write a book. I don't have the discipline to sit and write a book. I want to go out and play. And they said, no, you're going to write a book. And I went, okay, no problem. And then sure enough, somebody you know, shows up that helps to organize me and asks questions. And so for three years, we sat and did this book, and it finally went live the day the earth was supposed to end, 12-21-12. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you wrote the book because I think your experience is very powerful. Um, just for the listeners, what exactly is a reconnection exercise? Because is that what you did in order to kind of expel some of that grief from your son? Um, from your son's passing, I should, I it should was, say. It was one of the results of the session that we were in. You never know what you're going to get. Okay. So somebody comes to you and they say, I have a knee problem. Well, it may not fix your knee, but it might hear. It might fix your hearing loss. You mm -hmm. don't know what it's going to do. Okay. You can't, you can't really um, have expectations. So is it reconnecting you to your, are you being reconnected to your body? Are you being reconnected to your higher self? What exactly is, is, is the purpose of a reconnection? I, I get that it's for healing, um, but for somebody who is listening and they're very interested and they want a clear understanding, um, is that reconnection, that 30-minute session that you had, and then the follow-up sessions that lasted two days, all part of, um, is it like energy healing? No, it's not energy. It's frequencies. Okay, okay. Dial up frequencies. The farther I get away from somebody when I'm doing a session, the stronger it becomes with them. Reconnective healing is just a healing session. The person doesn't get touched at all. You're just in, you don't know what you're going to get. The reconnection is a separate two-day process where these acupuncture lines are drawn on you. It's about an hour each day. And afterwards, you're incubated in these, just in this amazing um, incubation. And you are then accelerated onto your soul path. It's different. The price is $333 for everyone. And I just stopped doing them when the pandemic hit because I couldn't see clients anymore. You have to see them up front. Yeah. So now I just do the HUNA work on the phone and I can take people through the forgiveness process. Mm. And that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Do that. Absolutely. I do chanting. There are symbols that are done and people heal. Yeah. If they want to. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on if they want to. So they want to. <laughs> right. So the premise of your book, you say that um find your friggin' joy is about discovering the missing links 
from ancient Hawaiian teachings to clean the plaque of your soul and reach your higher self. So I want to talk about what exactly you mean by the plaque of your soul. I think those are the cords. Mm, okay. I mean, I just kind of made that up because I always had so much plaque when I went to the dentist. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was saying, if you don't get this plaque off, you're going to lose your teeth. It'll decay. Right. And so I, that's always stuck in me as something very important. And so if you don't cut these cords, your organs will also deteriorate. Mm. All that negativity goes inside your body, essentially. Yep. That's what that's what you're saying. So the plaque is kind of, you know, those subconscious negative beliefs that you've been having or the negative experiences that you've had that you're, you keep holding on to that you haven't healed from or um, the relationships with people that you haven't forgiven. That's right. Okay. All, all of that, you're just, you're just building up cobwebs. Just imagine yourself looking like a mummy all dressed up in cords. If you've never, if you've never cut cords. When I did lectures, I would bring all this tape with me and I'd bring somebody from the audience up on the stage Mm. and dress them all up in these cords, like a cocoon of cords. And that's what you'd get to drag around with you unless you forgive yourself. Move on. Neutralize. You want to become neutral to the thing that you've been talking about. Neutrality is the way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also wanted to ask you a question because you've used, you've referenced this a, a, um, a couple of times, higher self or God self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as sort of like they help guide us towards healing and transformation. So can you just, again, just go into a little bit more details about what our higher self is or our God self is? And I'm also just curious as to, as, as you've been going through these healing practices, has it made you closer to God? Do you add prayer into these practices as well? What's your thoughts on, I guess, religion? I, I, that might be a very difficult question to answer, but I'm just curious. Well, I, I don't really belong to a religion. I believe that we're all connected, that we're all one spirit. It's made me just look at life a little bit deeper but the higher self is our god self it's our parent self and it's something that you can connect to if you breathe that in and invite it to come in and i think doing so much work the first time i ever really experienced my higher self is when i was lying down in a huna class and i was doing the deep ha breathing and you can experience that too when you do this deep ha breathing deep breath through the nose to get up to the top of the head. And then I was doing that concentrating for 10, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden I saw this waters parting, like the, the sea parting and all these dolphins and whales coming and just dousing me with their brilliance and their ability to swim and jump and I thought what in the world is that that wasn't shouldn't be on my radar I don't even like the ocean (laughs) and then that night they started to come in my dreams 
the dolphins were teaching me how to swim. And I woke up in the morning and I said, I've got to be with these creatures. They're calling me, but I have to get into the ocean. But I don't want to get in the ocean. That's the only way I'm going to get rid get the dolphins to come. It was really just such a struggle. But I finally found some friends that would take me in. And I remember holding him by the arm. And he's got indentations in his arm to this day from where I <laughs> held on for dear life. But I did get a chance to see a dolphin that first time. And it was a big, huge bottlenose dolphin that had come from Florida. And he just stood there, stood, floated there looking at me. And I was feeling this download of information and no fear whatsoever, just no fear. And I just was hooked. I wanted to be with them. I wanted to learn more. So I started to come out and the ocean that was once so scary to me became like a nurturing bathtub. It helps that it's also very warm. And the dolphins would come in. These are wild dolphins. And I would just become one of their pod. They would just come up close. And it was, I was, it was magical. And I thought, I've got to take people to swim with them. I did that for 20 years, taking groups of people. We always had dolphins. And the last 10 years, I did single clients, one or two. But since the pandemic, everything has changed. Yes, of course. I just, <laughs> I just love hearing about all the different life experiences that you've had and the different jobs that you've had. You've mm -hmm. kind of been called to. And especially with the race car um, like you doing being a stunt driver and then you kind of being like a tour guide for people who are like trying to swim with the dolphins, you were like called to do them. And then it was also like a way of you confronting your fears. I just think that's very, very cool. So would you say our, our higher self is kind of like our soul? Is that what people would call their soul? Or do you think that's separate from our souls? Well, it's hard to define what the soul is. Everybody tries to define it. If that feels like your ultimate truth, it's, it's your parental guardian spirit. It's one that can change something negative into a positive, can heal you if you can connect to it. And everybody has one. And it's up to you to invite it in and utilize the benefits that it has to give you. Yeah, yeah, so if you absolutely. Call it your, if you want to call it your soul, go ahead. Right, <laughs> call it whatever you want. Um, exactly. Just, a, just a higher part of yourself higher with power. without yeah. ego, without fear. You know, right. lots of courage. Um, so I'm blanking. I wanted to say something else. Okay, so I know that you know you've had all these different experiences and you've had all these different trials and tribulations. Would you say that so far you've had a good life? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that might be a silly question, right? Because at the beginning you talk about Huna and it's, it's about looking at the experiences you've had and then the meaning you put to those experiences. So what meaning have you put to all the experiences that you've had in your life that have been both good and really bad? I have no regrets whatsoever. I think it's been a fabulous life. 
and especially I just got married in May. Oh my God, congrats. That's awesome. Been single for like 35 years. My first. Oh, that's great. Just been working on myself. Never really thought I'd find somebody. And when I when I turned 70, there he was, a wow. tennis partner. I was looking for a tennis partner. And my good friends had this man is a good friend. He had lost his wife to cancer about the same time I lost my son. And all I wanted was a tennis partner, you know, to play. And we had our first date playing tennis. He brought me a box of chocolates, and we just got married seven years later. I love that. Oh, I love that. You <laughs> asked for a tennis partner, and you got a life partner. So I know, I know, I know. It's <laughs> a win-win. <laughs> well, it's, I never thought I would find someone to complete me. Mm. So yeah. had you given up on love? Was that just not on your radar anymore? You were, were you at the point where you were so fulfilled that you didn't really care for a partner? Well, I was working on my book. Mm. When I finally finished the book and it was out there, it was as though, okay, I think I'm ready now for something. Something. And I remember yeah. I had gone to Bali in 2001 and I had found this wonderful um, three-dimensional picture mm -hmm. of the perfect relationship, Shatki and Shiva. Mm -hmm. And I had stored it in my garage, and I just never put it up, and I had this feeling I need to put this thing up. I took it out of the box, and I put it on my wall, and two weeks later is when I met my husband-to-be. Uh, so I, love I, think, that. I think it has a lot of just answering the call, the callings, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the, the insights, the intuition. The I intuition. like to call it that. Even, yeah. if, even if it sounds stupid, you've yeah. got to go forward. And that's my my favorite saying mm. by Henry David Thoreau. If you mm. walk confidently in the direction of your dream and you dare to live a life that you have imagined, mm. you will meet with success unexpected in common hours. Wow. Oh my God. I feel like those were like the final words of wisdom. I haven't even asked them yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed to fit in right at that moment. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I'm definitely writing that down. That is powerful. Um, that's really, really powerful. Well, congrats on your wedding, newfound love. I'm so happy for you. I felt like it sounded like you left your first marriage. You had to be on your own journey. And then when the time was right, you connected with the right person. So that's, that's really awesome. And to listen to the inner voice, mm. whatever it's telling you. Yes. And even if it doesn't make any sense, like me with the stunt car driving, just go, I just wanted to drive a race car. That's all. And it turned into a career. You don't know what it's going to turn into, but you've got to answer the call. You've got to open the door. I love that. Oh, I love that. Okay, so does it make sense to still ask you for the final words of wisdom at this point? <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning that you give it. Mm. So if you can change your story to make a, you know, a more wonderful, happy ending, you're in charge. You're in charge of everything. Yes. Yes. Oh, Belinda, this was amazing. This was so good. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for speaking with me. This is 
so insightful and I hope that the listeners get the most out of this. I'm going to be leaving the details for your book, your website, and if people want to work with you all in the show notes. Thank you again. Well, thank you. And I hope I can speak louder without having to. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is good. Actually, the, the audio really improved, actually. So I was able to hear you loud and clear. So I don't think we have any issues at all. Great. Those angels, aren't they amazing? They're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode with Belinda. If you're interested in finding out more about Belinda, you can check out her website, which is www.hunahealing.com. I'm going to leave those details in the show notes. And I'm also going to leave a link to her book, Find Your Friggin' Joy, in the show notes should you want to purchase it and check it out. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Till next time, peace and love. Always, always, always. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to rate and review this podcast. And if you're truly loving this podcast, I suggest you follow us on Instagram at a word to the wise pod. Also, if you have any suggestions about episodes or things you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, please feel free to email a word to the wise pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.